Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. And how you guys doing? It's good to see your beautiful faces this morning. How many of you guys know the Lord is good in every season of our life? You know, even when we feel we woke up on the wrong side of the bed sometimes, right? The side of the bed you get up on does not determine the character of God in every season. So last week we uh, had Brother, um, not Husto, um, Luna here. And the week before that, we started our series talking about the Holy Spirit. So we are going to continue today uh, to dig into that. Um, So two weeks ago, you know, I always try to follow up and give you a quick refresher. The main takeaway was what? That the Holy Spirit is a person, right? That was one of the main things. I said, man, if we take this away from this discussion, I hit a home run. That's the only thing, the the first place we have to start is realizing that the Holy Spirit is a person. So when we talk about the concept of, of a person, it changes everything. You know, it's not just religion, but there's a potential for relationship, and if there's, per, if there's an opportunity for a relationship, that means that there can be some connectedness, right? Because you never have relationships without connection. Relationships always require two people to make a connection together. Amen? I always say the joke, you can't have a relationship with me, myself, and I, even though you try. Right? It's something that we have to put. And how many of you guys know good relationships take a lot of work? The ones that said, no, you think you got it all together. No, you might be hard work to put up with when we really get down to it, right? There's things in our life that we always have to polish out, that we have to work on, that we have to, that we have to change in our life in a pursuit of a healthy relationship. So today, as we look a little bit further, uh, we're going we're gonna to ask, the, the focus point today is, do you know the Holy Spirit? So it's okay to know that He is a person. You know, that he is a part of the Trinity when we say God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, that he is God, he's just like God, that he's a person. But the question I have for you today is, do you know him? Not just, hey, I've read about him in the word. I've heard Pastor Noe talk about it. Hey, I have a lot of friends who have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. If that is your thought process, I hope to radically change it today. That you come to a place of a relationship with the Holy Spirit like you have never experienced. And it it can be one of the best relationships you have ever had. Okay, so we're going to look at, uh, you know, do you know him? You know, so when we uh, first when we're first introduced to someone new, you know, there's an opportunity to what build a relationship. Now, some relationships, they're just kind of artificial. They're not really any depth. You know, it's just a, a very non-existent relationship. We have a lot of those, right? Sometimes, you know, in the workplace or in our job or around certain people, hey, how you doing? Man, I'm doing great. How's your family? Awesome. Do I really care about your family? No. And I keep walking. That's the true reality. Like we're, we're just, it's just casual conversation. There's no depth to that relationship. So before we get started, when we talk about the relationship with the Holy Spirit, we're going to look at practical principles of relationship. And we're going to see how from the most non-existent point of relationship to a super intimate point of relationship. So today we're going to look at the five stages of friendship because I think that you know, understanding friendship, relationship, and how this pertains to us as people, if the Holy Spirit is a person, 
Therefore, it's relevant to evaluate the levels of relationship and kind of see how do our relationships in these in this pyramid, how do they really pertain to the Holy Spirit and where am I at on this? So when we look at the five stages of relationship, the first one is strangers. So what that means is I don't know you. You know, so this is the lowest level of relationship, which is really a lack of relationship. You have no idea of the other person's existence. You ever had that? Man, I've been working with you forever, and you meet somebody for the first time. I didn't even know you were on the same planet. You know, it is just there, there, is, there is zero relationship there. Now, proximity, we got to understand proximity does not guarantee relationship. You know, I can say that, hey, I am in the same room as all of you, but that doesn't mean that I have an intimate relationship with you. Now, I hope that I've at least either introduced myself to you or had a conversation with you, but even in that sense, my relationship with each of you is nowhere in comparison to my relationship with my wife. You guys figured that out, right? The intimate level, right? So the first and the first and the, and the, the most least is, is just that you're a stranger. I don't know you. And then we have what we call acquaintances, you know? And, then, and this is the statement of saying, I know of you, right? Well, I've heard, yeah, I know that guy. I've heard that name. I know of him, but I still don't know him. You know, we, we, we talk about that all the time. You know, the president or, you know, the superstars, you know, the quarterback of a football team. Oh, I know. So you don't know him. You know of him. It is an, it, you know, it is a it is acquaintance, uh, you know, and now sometimes, you know, in this I, I know of you, sometimes there is occasional contact with very general knowledge, often talk about general knowledge. So it's kind of just like that small office talk, even like, hey, how about them cowboys? How about those Astros last night? Giving everybody a heart attack right at the end down to the wire, right? You know, for anybody that stayed up and watched the game. Anybody stay up and watch the game? Are you tired this morning? If you need to stand up halfway during the message, I'll understand. You know, but it's just general knowledge. It's, it's nothing that's really in-depth. It's not specifics, right? And then we go to casual friends. So when we say uh, casual friends, I know you. It's more specific now rather than just knowing of a person. So I know you specifically. So we have common interest. We share, we do some of the same activities. We meet more frequent than acquaintances. So we, we begin to see this progression of non-existent to getting a little bit closer relationally. That's what it's all about. How many of you would maybe say, man, I am not a people person? Handful of you guys, all the rest of you love people, right? Love them until they make you mad and then you don't want to have nothing to do with them, right? Let me tell you, it is a challenge to, to love people to the level that God demands of us. Let me just throw this little nugget out there. But why do we love people? Because God loves people. Why do we reach out to people? Because God reaches out to people. And we have to realize that we are the hands and the feet and the fabric that God uses to pull it all together. Amen. And without us, we cannot accomplish the goal. So if you're saying, man, I have a hard time being open with people and I, I don't really have really good relationships. Well, in order to have a good relationship with the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to work on your relational skills. Okay? You're going to have to because God is all about relationship. Even in the Garden of Eden, what did we see? Relationship. What did he do? It says that he walked with them in the cool of the day. Man, they I'm sure they talked about all kinds of awesome stuff. He walked through the garden with Adam. Hey, what do you want to name that? Pecan tree. You know, I mean, I'm just picturing all of these things. Well, that thing with a long tail, let's call it a fox. 
you know, you just see, you know, walking through the cool day and, you know, this was Adam's responsibility, but yet God gave it to him. You know, God could have named everything and just had it that way. But allowing Adam to be a part of the big picture shows that he wants us involved in the big picture. He wants us to fulfill some type of role of responsibility. He gives us authority here on the earth. So we keep moving. So then we go to close friends. So this is where, the, where it really begins to transition, right? It says, so this is where it says, I understand you. How many husbands have figured that out with your wife? I understand you. And how many of you are still completely confused? Just a little bit, right? I hadn't figured it out, but I'm working on it, baby. That's what we say, right? We're working on it. So it says, I understand you. So here, here's by definition what that means. It means we share similar values, deals, worldviews, mutual interest, and life goals. And we work together to achieve goals. We're connected through our mind, through our body, and through our spirit. And the raw reality of this is most people never get this far in relationships. They just don't. We're very disconnected. And, and you know what? To be honest, social media is killing relationships. Technology is destroying, you know, man, I, and, I, and I catch our family sometimes. We know we've gotten our kids tablets for school and education. Well, they're sitting there, you know, and I say I'm doing work, right, which most of the time I am, but sometimes I'm just goofing off, you know, or whatever, just wasting time. But this is not allowing me to connect to my family, to connect with my children. And, you know, there's times I'll be on it and I'll look up. My wife will be on her phone and my three kids will be on their devices also. And then God gives me an eye-opening reality of saying, you think this is the kind of relationship I want amongst families? Probably not, right? And then we have a choice. What are we going to do with that? But there, the enemy is against relationship. He wants you to have every relationship in your, in your life for, to, be, to be at church but be strangers to everyone. He does not want us connecting so the reality is most people don't get to this level of being close friends, but we have to understand the enemy of this world is also up against good relationships. He does, he does not want those being established. So think of that. You know, we share the same worldviews, the mutual interests, life goals, working together to achieve goals. What do you think the church's establishment is? Do you think we have common goals? I sure hope so. Do we have common interests? Man, I sure hope so. Right, And we know that there is going to be some variation, but that is the, the hope, the goal, that we have the same worldviews, that we have the same goals. So then we take it to one, one step further. Intimate friends. So this means that you are connected soul to soul, mind, will, and emotions. You're connected. You're co and listen to this. This is really powerful. Don't let the word intimate mess you up because that's going to, you're going to go one direction. But here's what by definition it says. It says committing to the development of each other's character. That's a big deal. Now you got really, really personal about this. So it means holding me accountable to what the Word of God says. Absolutely. What if there's sin in my life? Calling it out. Man, the, it, dealing with character issues within your life. Intimate friends. Super close. You know, that see the real you. You guys, you know how you know, most of us sometimes wear masks all the time. Man, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. It's great. Life's good. And, you know, it's work to keep that facade up of, of what you're really going through and what you're really dealing with. When you get to this level of intimate friendship, you take that mask off and they see the real you. And then they take their mask off and you realize there is a lot of similarities between you and that other person. But God has built us that way to where we could encourage each other and we could strengthen one another in relationship. 
It says, so committed to developing each other's character, mutual responsibility. So that means you're responsible and I'm responsible for honesty. What does that mean? Well, you don't lie about it. How you doing, man? Not so good. Well, what's going on? I don't want to talk about it. No, I mean, you, you're, you're honest with where you're at. And then connected soul to soul. So we talk about this intimate relationship. So when we look at this category, how do you think the Holy Spirit desires to connect with us? As strangers, as acquaintances, as casual friends, close friends, or intimate friends? E, all of the above does not count. Right? He wants to be intimate with us. He wants to be close with us, right? So as we keep looking at this, so, you know... uh, you know, each of us are required to work in, in developing a close relationship with the other person, right? So here's the coolest part. As we pursue relationship with the Holy Spirit, guess what? Only one of us really needs to change. You guys hear that? And there's none of this, well, man, if they would just, man, we're like that all the time in relationships. Well, if they would just give me what I want, well, you, that's what the relationship's about now, what you want. I thought it was to bless the other person and to, and to love the other person and to cherish the other person. You know, this is why wedding vows are so strong. We look at the intimacy. You know, it, when, we get, when we plan to get married, it's never about us. If you're selfish before you get married, you're going to be selfish after you're married. And it's going to cause you a lot of issues in your marriage. But it's not about me. It's about serving the other person. It's about us being right. It's about us meeting the needs of the other person. So the cool thing about when we enter into a relationship with the Holy Spirit, man, the, you, 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 pretty much you better just focus on yourself because there is nothing that the person of the Holy Spirit needs to change. There's nothing that he needs to do better. You are the weakest link in that relationship. You understand that? So we just yield to that person. We allow them, to, the Holy Spirit, just to lavish his love on us, to change us, to highlight those great things in our life. Because I think the person that really loves us and is intimate with us will begin to see the the good character things in our life and not just the negative. Because we're self-critical. How many of you guys who say, you know, you know, what's the best, you know, because you you say this thing, hey, what are the worst things in your life? Oh, let me listen. Well, what are the best things in your life? It's hard to find those things, right? Good worker, disciplined. I love people, you know, like these characters, because we always focus on the negative. The Holy Spirit really isn't worried about the bad things because he knows he can change those, but he wants to enhance and enlighten us to the good character things in our life so that we might become all that he's called us to be. You know, so to have a relationship, there always has to be someone else involved, okay? You can't just have a relationship with yourself. So today, answering the question, who is the Holy Spirit as a person? So we're going to look a little bit more into that. Let's look at that same passage that we looked at uh, two weeks ago, John 14, 16 through 17. It says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. So when we look at the New King James Version, that word counselor is also referred to as helper, to be with you forever. And at the beginning of that verse 17, it it says, the spirit of truth. So even when we say spirit of truth, that is a characteristic of who the Holy Spirit is. The more we understand who the Holy Spirit is, the more likely we can trust him to be involved in our life. Because how many of you guys know that really deep down, a lot of us have trust issues. 
because of broken relationships, about, about not being satisfied in a relationship. People have taken advantage of us. So a lot of us walk around with trust issues where we cannot trust God. We have a hard time believing that Jesus died for us while we were still yet sinners. And we can't imagine a Holy Spirit being sent for our benefit to be our comforter and to be our helper for us personally. Why would somebody do that? Because there is a perfect God who created heaven and earth, who had, a, who had an awesome plan to send us someone to help us become all that he's called us to be. So when we look at the Holy Spirit, you know, the word translated, the, the counselor, helper, in chapters 14 and 15 and 16 of John, that word is always referred to as parakletos. Okay, so when we look at that word parakletos, here is the, in the Greek the words and the translations that that word can be translated into. So every single one of these that I share with you, these are characteristics of who the Holy Spirit is. So the first one is a comforter, a standby, an advocate, an intercessor, a teacher, a friend, a guide, a counselor, a strengthener, a leader, a helper, and a partner. The Holy Spirit wants us to partner with him. He doesn't just want to do all the work by himself. Otherwise, he wouldn't need us. He wants to do his part, and he wants us to do our part. John 15, 26 through 27. So we're going to keep looking at these other passages in John. So every time you see the word counselor, know that it's referring. I'm going to repeat those one more time. Uh, the Holy Spirit as a comforter, a standby, an advocate, an intercessor, a teacher, a friend, a guide, a counselor, a strengthener, a leader, a helper, and a partner. So John 15, 26 through 27 says, And when the counselor or the helper comes, whom I will send from the Father, the, Holy, the Spirit of truth, which is another name for the Holy Spirit, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So this was Jesus speaking. He said, the Holy Spirit will testify about me. Who did Jesus testify to? The Father. Right? So we see Jesus testifying to the Father. We see the Holy Spirit testifying to the Son. So if the Holy Spirit is testifying to the Son and the Son is testifying to the Father, they are all testifying to one another. There's no breaking saying that one is better than the other. Everything is connected in one union together. And it works together perfectly. You know, so we see that Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as a counselor, the Spirit of truth. So the main function of the Holy Spirit is to testify of the Son. As we keep looking in John chapter 17, you know, you begin to see the work of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at this whole passage, John 16, 5 through 15. That's John 16, 5 through 15. I'm going to read this whole passage, and then we're going to break it down just a little bit in what it refers to. So in ver starting in verse 5, chapter 16 of John, it says, Now I am going to him who sent me. That's talking about God. Yet none of you ask me, where, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Verse 8. When he comes, and this, this begins to specify what the Holy Spirit does as a person. It says, when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regards to sin and righteousness and judgment. Verse 9, in regards to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regards to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stand, stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, but... 
more than you can even bear now. And this is verse 13. It's really powerful. It says, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, this is what He does. He will guide you into all truth. Portion of truth or all truth? All truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears. And He will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring... He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So Jesus continues to clarify saying, hey, everything that comes from me, it comes from the Father. Everything that's the Father is mine. And if it's mine, it's yours also. So we have to understand this gift that Father God has given us through the Son. Man, it is a, it is a powerful gift. We look, at the, we look at that breakdown. What does the Holy Spirit do? It says that He convicts the world uh, in regard, of guilt in regards to sin. So what does that mean? It means that when we come to a relationship with understanding who God is, it is the Holy Spirit in our life working that has brought us to that place of conviction. So you mean when I got saved, the Holy Spirit was involved in that? Absolutely. It wouldn't have happened without it. That drawing of the Holy Spirit, that, that, that urging of the Holy Spirit, conviction of sin. Notice I said conviction, I didn't say condemnation of sin. It's drawing us towards God rather than pushing us away from God because conviction will always do that. It points a finger as the judge and says, this is you, you know, but no, is what the, the convicting is what draws you to the Father. It says that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. In our worst state, Father God was beginning to stretch out his arms as far as he could and begin to draw him to him, draw us to himself. But it says that he convicts the world of sin. How many of you guys can believe for somebody that you know that needs conviction of sin and needs to have a radical lifestyle change and has to be drawn by the Holy Spirit for that to happen? Because think of it, in your foolish years, and I lived it, I can't, you know, I can't say that I, would, oh, I don't know, understand. No, I know my ignorant years of where the Spirit of God had to get a hold of my life. Was it an effective work? Absolutely. Was I hard-headed and a little resistant? Just a little bit. Maybe more so when I'm really honest. Right? But it says that He convicts the world in regards to sin. What else does He do? It says, in regards to righteousness, it says, because the, the, um, the ruler of this world now stands condemned, you know, that, you know, uh, sorry, righteousness, you know, because he's going to the Father. So now we have a right standing with who God, who God with before God because of the Son. Jesus Christ provided righteousness just as if we had never sinned because he went to the Father. You know, and now judgment because Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of God and the finished work is completed. Amen. You know, I have this picture of when, when Jesus was crucified on that cross that the enemy thought he had won. He thought he had victory, he says. Because, you know, you think of that. If only I could kill the Son of God, then I could have whatever is his. But he didn't realize that this was all part of God's master plan to redeem and save that was lost. So the Holy Spirit, he always convicts. He, al he always uh, pr produces righteousness. He gives us the opportunity to be righteous before God. And we have to understand that, you know, uh, that he, he, he focuses on, you know, judgment, you know, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So these are all things that the Holy Spirit focuses on. 
You know, anytime we're like, well, you know, does he have ultimate supreme power? Absolutely, because the enemy of this world now stands condemned. Well, you ha does he have the ability to make me righteous before God? Absolutely, because Jesus is at the right hand of God now, and he can, he can produce this righteousness within you. It is a completed work, guys. There is nothing else to be done. Everything has been completed. But this is the work, this is the function of who the Holy Spirit is. You know, we look at that verse 13. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. I love that part. Because if we say, well, I don't understand. I read the word and I don't understand it. Have you ever asked the Holy Spirit to enlighten you in what it means? Because if he leads me into all truth, if he gives me understanding into what the word of God is saying, I might read it on my own strength and not understand it. But then the Holy Spirit enlightens what is being read, transforms my heart and transforms my life. Because if the enemy of this world can keep me confused as far as in regards to what the Word of God is saying, man, I'm going to be blind to a lot of it. But when the Spirit of truth comes, which lives inside each and every one of us, when I ask the Holy Spirit into that relationship in my life, all of a sudden I begin to understand what the Word of God is saying. It leads me into all truth. That doesn't leave anything out. And this is another part. He says, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So are you telling me he can predict the future? He doesn't predict, predict it, he knows it. Oh, did you hear that? He doesn't predict it since saying, well, perhaps. He knows the future. He's just like God. He sees the beginning from the end. He knows all of it. He knows what's best. You guys ever played the game red light, green light? Well, if we would learn to follow the Holy Spirit like that, we'd be a lot better off. We're walking, say, Lord, I pray you'd lead me red light. We keep walking, bam, we get plastered. But what happened? I gave you a red light, buddy. I know in Brazil, they drive, their driving patterns is a little bit different. Pastor Daniel, the pastor there, when we, we spent three months there, and when we were there, we noticed he would slow down at the stop signs, but he wouldn't stop. He would kind of do this rolling. He would, I mean, I think sometimes he wouldn't look. He would just kind of slow down, and we said, Pastor Daniel, uh, when there's a stop sign, do you stop? He goes, ah, those are more of a suggestion. <laughs> Till you get in a wreck. You have to understand that there are certain things put in, in place for your divine protection. And the Holy Spirit says, I will lead you into all truth. I will show you what is to come. We don't know the future. We don't know if we'll get laid off tomorrow. We don't know, you know, if there'll be an unexpected death in our family that we don't know how we're going to get through. All of these things are real things, guys. But the Holy Spirit knows the beginning from the end, and he knows how to comfort. He knows how to help. He knows how to partner with us. And he leads me into all truth. There is zero lack in this relationship I think some of us, you know, would say, man, I wish I could find me a man or a woman of that caliber. All the other relationships fall short of the relationship with the Holy Spirit. Don't judge your other relationships within your life and compare them with the Holy Spirit. You would do that relationship unjust. Understand that? You wouldn't do it justice. Well, what if he's like this or what? He's perfect. Get over it. Deal with yourself. I think that's what God wants us to do, to yield. Red light means? Green light means? All right. And if you don't know, just stop the car, right? 
You know, I was watching this movie. Uh, God's Not Dead 2. Any of y'all seen it? Who has not seen it? Man, watch the movie. It's so good. There's this moment, there's this moment in, the, in, the, in the story. I don't want to ruin it all if you haven't seen it. But there was this one part where the, the lady, the main person in the story was frustrated. She said, you know, in this moment of when I need to hear God the most, I cannot hear God. I don't know what's wrong. I'm asking God. I'm pleading with God. Don't forsake me, God. And then the grandpa or the dad, I guess it's the dad or the grandpa, the older gentleman, he says, but you got to remember, the teacher is always silent during the test. Doesn't mean that the teacher is not there. The teacher is always there. But when there is a test, sometimes he remains silent so that you, he can, you can really see what you're made of. It's a hard truth sometimes because I think sometimes we feel like God is absent or his Holy Spirit is not with us. But we have to proclaim the promise that he is in us and with us at all times, at every season of our life. 1 John 4.13, it says, We know that we live in him and he in us because... He has given us His Spirit, capital S. Talking about the Holy Spirit. We know that we live in Christ, that He lives in us because He has given us His Spirit. This is something that God, this is something that Jesus gives to us. James 1.17, we know the passage. It says, every good and perfect gift comes from Father God. It always comes from God. He gives us great gifts. You know, so when we're growing in a relationship, you know, it's important that, that we learn what a person likes and what a person doesn't like. The only way we can learn that about the Holy Spirit is to know the Word of God. If God doesn't like something, the Holy Spirit doesn't like it either. If God is for something, then the Holy Spirit is for that also. And the only way we can, we can learn that is by reading the Word of God. You know, I know that in my relationship with my wife, we have had to learn to, to, to figure out what completely irks the other person and just try to eliminate those things, right? We know those, you know, and sometimes they change over time, right? We don't always see those. And, you know, I laugh about two, she's, Becky's not in here, so she's going to get mad at me, but two of the things that I always think are so, toilet paper rolls, Did, you know, they make a toilet paper roll holder. Does anybody else deal with this? It can never find its way back. Every time I show up, it's empty. And then I look and there's a brand new one that's perfectly ready to reload the toilet paper roll holder and I'm the guy that gets to do it. Well, mom's, my mom always taught me that I was going to take out the trash, but she didn't tell me I was going to have to restock the toilet paper rolls my whole life. So I was trying to teach Grace how to do it. She couldn't even open the little mechanism. She's about to break it. I was like, never mind, baby. I'll teach you when I get a little bit older. But I can't fix my wife, but maybe I can train my kids. <laughs> right? <laughs> Another thing my wife does, man, I love her to death, but she piles. She piles stuff. So if stuff is a mess, you know, instead of putting it up, like this needs to go over there, this needs to be thrown away, and this needs to be taken to the office. Man, it is great if I go like this, and that's, that's where it goes, baby. She piles. Well, at least it's in a pile, but it's not where it goes. How do I know these things are so frustrating? Because they frustrate me personally. But all I can do is respond in love and just say, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to change the paper roll and I love my wife and love my kids. And at least all this stuff is in a pile and I can take it all at one shot, take it and put it where it goes. 
But the little things, we have to figure out, you know, and, and you know, that's kind of a silly thing, but we need to figure out the big things that are really, really important to the Holy Spirit. And if they violate our relationship with the Holy Spirit, we need to not do them. Every single time. Because it will cripple our relationship with the Holy Spirit. So this, this morning, I got a chart for you guys that, that covers all of the qualities of the Holy Spirit that help highlight our understanding of that He is a person. But when we look at these, I want you guys to realize that we, we can affect how the Holy Spirit feels. If I have a bad day and I take it out on my wife, you think it's going to affect our relationship? Every single time. And then she's going to get mad and be like, well, you going to apologize or what? Because I didn't do anything to you and I took it out on her. It's my fault. So we have to realize that most of the time when our relationship is broken in regards to the Holy Spirit, if we want to figure out the one that's at fault, always look in the mirror. So look at these. If you guys want to take a screenshot, I'm not going to turn to all of these, but every single one of these scriptures reference a characteristic and a quality of the Holy Spirit. So it says that when it says he, this is in regards to the Holy Spirit. So he has a mind. He has a will. He has, an emo he has emotions. He speaks. He instructs. He can be grieved. He can be insulted. He can be lied to, where you're like, well, I thought he knew anything. Well, he knows, but you can still lie to him. You know, it's like when your wife knows you did something wrong, you're like, I didn't do that. And you're just like, yeah, whatever. The, lie, the mom inherited lie detector test. It's transferred to our wives too, husbands. They just know, and you're like, oh, all right, whatever, big boy. I'll talk, we'll talk about that later, right? Can be lied to doesn't mean that they don't know the truth. Can be blasphemed. Can be uh, resisted. You ever tried that one? Try to resist what the Holy Spirit is doing? Can be vexed, can be quenched. What do we talk, what does that word quenched mean? If there's a fire blazing and you snuff it out and you throw a bucket of water on it, it can, it can ex distinguish, extinguish the flame. Yeah, next page, he, he can bear witness, he, he bears witness and he testifies. And one of the greatest things that he does also, he prays and he makes intercession. All of these characteristics, you have to be a person to do them. You're not just going to, it's not just going to just happen, right? You think, you think God needs to pray? You thought about that? Does God need to pray or is it just like done? Well, here it says that the Holy Spirit prays and makes intercession, but do you know the reason why? For our benefit. He, make, he prays and makes intercession for us. For the saints, when he talks about the saints, that's for the believer. So we have to understand, you know, that the Holy Spirit, man, he is a giver of good gifts. You know, we, we covered two weeks ago that every time the Holy Spirit was released, what did we see happen? Power was what? Released. Every single time. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, you can get the podcast from two weeks ago and just kind of catch up with us. So the Holy Spirit, he gives good, you know, good uh, qualities, which is fruit. We're, and we're going to focus on that in a few weeks, the fruit of the Spirit. But he also gives us powerful gifts, which are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we are going to talk about those also, the difference between the two. How many of you guys know a plant takes time to grow? Fruit takes time to be cultivated. But a gift, you can use it right away. So just give you a little nugget of where we're going with that, of seeing the difference and what those qualities are specifically. Uh, if you want to read, read those, the fruits of the Spirit is in Galatians 5, 23 through 23. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. 
So if you want to read into those before we get there, but it's not necessary. So we have to understand that the power of the Holy Spirit is always at work when a sinner repents and turns to God. Okay? He convicts the world of sin because of unbelief. You know, so what was Jesus' last instruction to the disciples before he returned to heaven? So glad you asked. Let's look at Acts 1, 4 through 5. And then we'll look at verse 8 also. Acts 1, 4 through 5. In verse 4 it says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. What do you think this gift is before we go any further? The Holy Spirit. That's right. He says, Which you have heard me speak about. Verse 5 it says, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In verse 8 it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Man, this is just a, you know, it is a foretelling of what was to come, you know, and you guys got to know that when this was poured out, it wasn't retracted back. This was something that God now had available to all believers. This is something that he's given to every single one of us. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't say, well, I was just giving it to them and I'm taking it back now. This is for everyone who would believe and should believe and is going to believe. So when we look at Acts 2, you know, this is when the Holy Spirit was poured out. You know, we talk about uh, the day of Pentecost, you know, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Well, when we look at what the, what the time frame was, you know, it was during the time of Pentecost you know, they were, they, they were all together. So what Pentecost represented and what happened was th this, uh, it was focused on Jewish festivities, Jewish fe festivals, also known as the Feast of Weeks or the Day of First Fruits. So there was, it was a celebration time of they, where they were all together. And during this time, they were celebrating the, the first budding of their, of their crops, of the, the first budding of their fruits, and it was at this same symbolic moment that the Holy Spirit began to pour out the first fruits. And, you know, it's really cool how the similarities of this happened. The Holy Spirit began to pour out the first fruits of everything that he was going to continue to do forever. So it was a celebration of the budding that because the, you think of when a flower, <clears throat> excuse me, when a flower bloods and or blooms and it blossoms, you know, you just begin to see a little bit of greenery burst forth and then man it just blossoms into this beautiful thing it's the same thing when this happened the holy spirit was just beginning its his work to begin to pour out his power in the earth to affect the world like never before so that symbolism of the first fruits it was just the beginning of what the holy spirit was going to do when we look at romans eight twenty six, it says that you know the Holy Spirit helps in our weakness. It says, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings that words cannot express. Verse 27, it says, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Amen. This is the same thing I was just talking about, how the Holy Spirit knows the perfect will of God. And when the Holy Spirit makes intercession from us or prays out of us or prays through us, we can know that the perfect will of God is always going to be spoken and can always be prayed out. So it's super important to, uh, to know the Holy Spirit as a person and not just know Him by the gifts that He gives. Um, 
you know, that's the biggest issue I think sometimes is what's in it for me or those concepts that we think of, well, what am I going to get out of this? You know, and we pursue something because of what we can receive versus just because of who God is. So just like we approach God like that, we're saying, hey, Lord, if you didn't give me anything but salvation where I didn't have to go to hell and you just provided a way out, that would be good enough. But we know that what? Every good and perfect gift comes out from God, and we see it physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, health-wise, all of these things in our life working together for our good because God didn't just give us salvation. He gave us everything. There was always more to it. So the same thing with the Holy Spirit, that we don't want to just get to know Him because of what He can do for us. Sometimes there's a motive. You know, think if, I mean, I don't have any like excessively wealthy friends, but let's say that there was. Would I pursue that relationship just because they're excessively wealthy? But I'll tell you what, if I do have real relationship with them, I do benefit from their wealth. You understand that connection? Having a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we will benefit of every good thing that He has available. But He wants us to pursue Him because of who He is, not because of what He does. But knowing Him gives us the byproduct of what He does also. But we need to be focused on Him as a person. Do we really know Him? Do you know Him? Do you have a relationship with Him? The only way to really begin to know someone is by spending time with them. There's no other way that I can tell you that your relationship with the Holy Spirit will grow apart from spending time with Him. You're like, well, Noe, how do I do that? How do you work on your relationship with God? We get in the Word. This is one of the greatest tools God has ever given us. And I know that I feel like the majority of us, man, do not do it justice in cracking this book open near enough. But when we do, we see our life blessed. We see our attitudes change. We're all of a sudden encouraged. And we're like, man, I feel like I'm closer to God than ever. I don't know what changed. Well, I do. Started reading the word and allowing it to, to wash you and to cleanse you and encourage you and begin to practice its principles, and all of a sudden you begin to see your life change. This is how we grow our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We get to know who He is. Well, what if I've never had a relationship? Is it going to take a long time to get to know Him? If you know God and you've met the Son, you already know the Holy Spirit. And that will be expedited. Because then what happens, you just begin to have to understand the function of the Holy Spirit. All of those things will begin to change. So personally, if you evaluate your greatest relationships that you have in your life or your friendships, did they just happen overnight? Not the good ones, right? You know, the ones that are lifelong friends that, you know, I have a handful of them, man. If I call, I hadn't seen them in years, maybe decades now. I'm getting older and time keeps ticking. But, man, I could call them, show up, hang out with them, Buffalo Wild Wings, three in the morning, stay the night. And it'd be like no time was lost because there was enough investment in that relationship that we were connected forever. So when we evaluate those friendships, what did we do to cultivate those? We invested time. You know, so today, you, you may, maybe you're just beginning your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You're like, man, I just really never 
focused on that. I just focused on knowing who God was. I knew who Jesus was. I didn't realize the, the, the function of the Holy Spirit in my life. And maybe you're just starting that relationship. Well, keep pressing in, keep investing that time. You know, maybe, you know, uh, maybe in your relationship, you know, you had a close relationship with the Holy Spirit and something changed. Remember I said, look in the mirror. It's never the Holy Spirit that changes. It's never the Holy Spirit that separates himself from us by his own will. Remember all of those characteristics. He can be grieved. He can be quenched. He can be lied to. The things in our life can cause a separation from the Holy Spirit's influence and effectiveness in our life. You guys hear that? But those are decisions we make. You think about your homes when, you know, we've talked about this previously, guarding your home. Man, guard what's on your TV. Guard what's on the Internet. You know, make sure music is glorifying God. Why does all this stuff matter? Because all of these things can affect your relationship with the Holy Spirit. So the question I have for you today is, how close do you really want to be in a relationship with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit doesn't have to be, you know, I mean, be super close and involved in your life for you to go to heaven. It's not a matter of heaven and hell. It's a, it's a matter of how effective do you want to be in this lifetime? Because God has given us a person to walk alongside of us, to be right there in our time of need, to be right there in that moment of struggle when we say, Lord, I don't know if I can deal with this. I don't know how to handle this. Well, the helpmate and the comforter and the helper is right there, not just next to you, but where? within you. So anytime we just say, oh, I can't do it, or God, where were you? You know, I really feel like God, it kind of has this, he's kind of dumbfounded in a sense. He's like, you big dummy, I'm right there with you. You know, what else, do, what else can I do for you? But it's because sometimes, though, I think of our lack of understanding of just the reality of God's truth, but that we would be mindful and that we would be reminded that the Holy Spirit is right there as close as our next breath, as close as the next heartbeat. He lives within us now. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please